but personality type labels don't put you in a box. They show you which box you're already in. <laughs> so, <laughs> which I know to some people is probably certain types will be like, oh no, I don't want to be in a box at all. But the truth is we all are in a box of some sort because of our past experiences, our perspectives. And that's what coaching does, right? It helps you to bust open the sides of those bo that box and recognize that, that it doesn't have to be that way. Hello, and welcome to the INF Club podcast. If you're an INFJ or an INFP personality type, this podcast will help you feel better understood, learn more about yourself, and hopefully find some clarity and inspiration as you go on your own personal journey. I'm your host, Jazz Hoti, and on the podcast, I'll be sharing interviews with INFJs, INFPs, and special guests as well as my own personal stories and perspectives. With that being said, thanks so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. My guest today is Leslie McDaniel. As always, let's start with a few words put together by Leslie. Leslie is a personal and professional development coach and personality type consultant. She coaches creative and ambitious people to tap the potential of their personality type for the purpose of living a meaningful and well-lived life. She's passionate about bringing greater self-awareness and understanding to the world by helping others view themselves through the lens of their personality type, and specifically the Myers-Briggs and Enneagram systems. Now, before we begin, I just wanted to share a couple of pieces of housekeeping with you. First of all, I don't have all of the answers. I'm still learning and just doing my best and the same goes for the guests of mine who appear on this podcast. Secondly, I'm not a therapist nor any kind of licensed medical professional, and again, neither are my guests unless it's expressed otherwise. And finally, I'm sure I've made some mistakes in today's episode, so please do forgive me for those. Okay, there's one last thing to say for this episode. I had planned to bring you a one-to-one -one conversation that I recorded with Leslie not so long after the INF Summit. However, long story short, somewhere along the way, I managed to misplace the files. I searched high and low as much as I could, but alas, no luck. I actually made the recording on a computer that I'm no longer using. It was my old Mac, which just stopped working and it doesn't even turn on. So unfortunately, I've not been able to search on there. So it's a mystery um, and yeah, I was a little bit uh, a little bit disappointed, but I found a solution of sorts. Leslie, Lawrence Apala and I took part in a conversation for the INF Summit. We had a conversation packed with stuff that I'm delighted to bring to you today. So the summit was hosted in February of 2020, so just earlier this year. And um, yeah, it was a really great conversation and I'm thrilled to be able to bring it with you. I asked the permission of both Leslie and Lauren uh, to ask them if they were happy with me doing this. They both were. So as a special treat today, whether you're listening to this for the first time, we've heard this one before. Here it is, a conversation with Leslie McDaniel, hosted by myself and Lauren Sapala. Sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode right after this short message. 
This episode is sponsored by INF Club, a membership community for INFJs, INFPs, highly sensitive people, empaths, and all intuitive introverts who are seeking personal growth. If you're an INF, INT, or an ENF personality type, you might wish to head over to www.infclub.net where you can find out more. That being said, here you go. Here's today's conversation. Again. Hi, Leslie. It's so nice to have you here. Hey, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. Um, if you could just start out telling us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, that would be great. Yeah. So I am um, currently a coach and I work with INFJ women. And I'm also really into typology in general. So I work a lot with all of the Myers Briggs types um, in my work and Enneagram. So I'm working right now with INFJ women and helping them make, uh, take bold action on their vision. And I got to this place in my life after having many different careers, um, but they all sort of, I believe, have taught me something. They've all had purpose in my life and they've all brought me to this place uh, of coaching right now. Mm. That is, uh, I'm glad you really started off with like, you know, I had all these different careers and they all sort of like were these threads that came together. Um, Cause I was going to ask you, was it, was it like not an instant process to become a coach, but a, did you one day know I'm going to be a coach and then the next week you were doing it or was it more <laughs> gradual? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, well, to back up just a little bit, I came to the idea of having my own business. Um, from some frustrations that I was experiencing in my previous jobs. And I realized that those frustrations were totally about me, not about the people I was working with. Um, and so I realized that the solution was going out on my own and being the person in charge of my growth, development, my potential. And that's you know a double-edged sword, right? It's a lot of responsibility, um, but it's also really exciting. So as I entered into what do I want to do? You know, what, it, what is my business going to be about? Um, the idea to work with INFJs came to me first, as many INFJ intuitive ideas do, like a sudden aha. And I knew it was very obvious, this is what I want to do. Um, so I began building an audience around that topic and writing for them uh, over the period of several months before I even had anything to offer them. And as I contemplated, like, what's the best way to serve this population? Coaching came to my mind. And to answer your question about whether it was quick or slow or whatever, um, the actual sign-up process, like signing up to my coaching program like that I went to was rather quick. Uh, it happened over about a week or two, but I realized later, because of my journal, <laughs> that I had actually been considering coaching for months before it. Um, I think it had been in the back of my mind. It had passed across uh, my path several times. And um, it sort of culminated at, at this moment where I realized this is the best next step for me. So it was kind of both. Um, on the surface, it looked quick. and But really, the background, it took several months for me to come to this decision to become a coach. Mm -hmm. was, it, was it easy getting started? I mean, I know I'm a coach myself. And those first few clients, I was on the phone just shaking. And I always wondered, like, are other coaches as nervous as I was? <laughs> I think the answer is yes. Um, you know, thankfully, I chose a very intense coaching program. It was like nine months. Um, and that really prepared me with a lot of practice, a lot of group coaching, a lot of individual coaching, being coached myself. Um, and so that was 
you know, a bit trial by fire because I was required to do a lot of coaching. Um, and I did actually start taking clients on during that time period at a very reduced rate, you know, <laughs> I'm learning, I'm beginning. Um, but yeah, I think the first few, and even now sometimes, you know, I, I get nervous, which is the type of coaching I do is not having all the answers. I'm not here to advise you to give you the answer. I'm here to unearth that within you. And I use the coaching process to do that. So when I rest in the fact that I don't have to have the right answers and I just have to be curious and use my intuition, then it helps to calm those nerves. I don't know if that answers your question completely, but that's how it works for me. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Actually, Jazz and I have been talking about that a lot lately, using your intuition to just be curious and not trying to fix somebody. Absolutely. And actually, that's the true definition of coaching is like curiosity driven and using empowering questions. There's a lot of confusion about coaching, mentoring and consulting, and they're not the same things. Hmm. So sometimes, you know, clients do come to me because they have a particular issue that they're struggling with and they want direction. Um, and I can give that to them, but I usually do it through the questioning process to bring it to the surface for them so that it's a sustainable change. Um, part of my coaching philosophy is that everyone is an expert in their own life. And if I tell someone what to do, and I can do that, I can help give some advice if they want it. But I would much rather them come to that decision on their own, because then it's going to be meaningful and sustainable for them. So mm -hmm. On that, Leslie, have, have there been times when Let's just say, um, and I know as a coach, uh, you try your best to be non-judgmental, but where you feel like, you know, they might have asked you something and you'll be like, I kind of know what I want to say, but I want you to figure it out yourself. And then they figure it out themselves. Do, do you think that has that happened? And do you think there's like a difference between them coming to the conclusion themselves as opposed to um, you telling them? And you used an interesting word there, sustainable change as well. So, yeah, I was interested to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. So there are several parts to your question. Um, yeah. I think, yes, I absolutely have ideas and I have like, oh, this is the right thing to do. This is what I think you should do. But that's contrary actually to my philosophy of coaching and my training. Mm -hmm. So part of that training is learning how to get out of their box. And, um, you know, as an INFJ, and I'm sure INFPs as well struggle with this is, you know, we have high level of empathy. So we're able to um, feel what they're feeling and we can relate to it. Um, so I constantly have to prepare myself and I do that through a lot of structures that I have in place in my business, but I prepare myself to step outside of it and to constantly be looking at it from an outside perspective and look for those dots that I, uh, to connect. So when I offer something to a client, it's more often me putting together those dots that they've already shared with me. Um, and to the part about being sustainable and um, whether or not it's like, I don't know, remember if you said more powerful or important for them to come to it on their own. Absolutely. Um, because that, that means that the source of it was within them already. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's going to have more meaning for them. It's going to have more power. It's going to have more sustainability in the long run if they have, if, if that process of us working together has unearthed that. 
Yeah, and there's something about, I don't know, I'm just envisaging something in the body being spoken and coming out of the mouth. Mm. It feels quite powerful if it's happening within them rather than you giving them whatever answer it might be that they're mm. asking for directly. Yeah, that's interesting. I, th- I wonder if that's an INFP perspective because of the Maybe. gut uh, resonating within you where I see it more as a head thing, like uh. it, all of what's in my head has are in their head has come together and then come out. I don't know if that's the difference, if, if Lauren, if you relate <laughs> to that distinction. But. Yeah, I, I, I do this a lot because um, like my chest and my, my belly, I kind of, I seem to feel a lot here and I, I, I notice myself doing that a lot. Yeah, Lauren, I'd, I'd be curious to see, hear what you, uh, hear what you make of that. Well, I do know um, INFPs, one of the, from the outside, a lot of people say, well, INFPs have trouble making decisions. They are kind of scattered. It's just that INFPs actually don't know if a decision is right until after they've made it because after they've made it, they feel it in the body and then they instantly know. So you'll be like at a restaurant and they'll order the chicken and then be like, Oh wait, Nope, that's wrong. I got waiter. Come back. I need the fish. You know? And then the INFJ next to them is like, I looked up the menu online yesterday and decided <laughs> on, you know, the cheese souffle. I don't know why you're, you know, whiffling on this. So yeah, I think that chest belly thing is a very INFP thing. Yeah. And, you know, INFJs and INFPs can both struggle making decisions, but for different reasons, just as you sort of clarified, like an INFP has to go through the filter of like, is this the right thing for me? Does this match with my values? Does this resonate on a gut level? You know, whereas an INFJ is more going to be like, is this the right intuitive insight that, you know, matches up with uh, the external environment, what people are expecting of me, what is going mm-hmm. to create harmony, um, and all of that. So yeah, there are some differences, even though, as you know, the summit is for both INFJs and INFPs, there's a lot of similarities, um, but there's a different underlying motivation and wiring that creates those things. So for the well, two of you, sorry, for the two of you who are INFJs then, because I hear that word intuitive and intuition, and I immediately... I connect with that word with my body. Is, is that not the case for uh, the two of you as INFJs? Um, so I see the perspective here, a couple things. I don't know what your Enneagram type is, but that could be playing a different uh, a part in this as well. But yeah, for me, it's not about my body. It's about, it, it's in my head. Like it's the patterns, the thoughts that have connected and those intuitive insights come out that way. Um, but it makes total sense for you that it, it resonates to your bones. Like that's what I say for INFPs. Like when you've made the right decision, like, and, or something matches your values, it's like to your core. <coughs> and I don't necessarily have that, uh, as an INFJ, it's more of a head thing. <laughs> Lauren, how do you feel? Yeah, I get a little bit of the body, but I have, I just know. That's how it's for me. I just know it. I just, I can't even explain it other than that, where I'm like, I am rock solid and this is it. This is the right thing. I know it. Yes. And people, when I'm trying to explain why I'm taking a certain path or I've chosen something, they get frustrated because they're like saying, I just know is not data. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Um, my thinker friends get so annoyed with that because they're like, yeah, but where's the evidence? Where are the facts and the numbers? And I'm like, I don't need that. I just know. <laughs> You're like, it's in the future. Just give it a little time. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I think just, just quickly, I think my Enneagram's 4W5. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I was, my thought was perhaps if you were in the gut triad, which four is not, um, that perhaps that was playing an even, you know, having a stronger having impact on you. But you. anyway, side note. <laughs> All good. No worries. Um, well, that leads me to a question about you coach INFJ women. Do you ever coach INFP women? I do, actually. Um, you know, I, my messaging online doesn't really talk about INFPs. Um, but a lot, of the, a lot of them will relate to what I share. And typically they'll come to me thinking they're an INFJ. And then we find out later that, oh, actually INFP fits better. Um, you probably know there's lots of mistyping out there about INFJs. Um, and part of that is probably because NF types uh, can share some common characteristics, uh, but the wiring, if you're looking at the Myers-Briggs system, it's the wiring that matters, the cognitive functions. I don't want to get too deep into that because I don't know what people's level of understanding is. But um, so, yes, I do work with some INFP clients. I actually have two right now. So is it is it different? Do you have a different coaching style for INFJs and INFPs? I would not say my coaching style changes because, um, you know, people come to me and after our discovery call decide to work with me because of the way that I approach them, right? My style. Um, but because personality typing is such a huge part of my work, I weave in an understanding of that throughout our work. Um, I will draw different connections for them. So for the INFP, I will work on their cognitive function stack and talk about and, um, you know, why certain what certain things mean in their life and why certain things are happening the way they are why they feel about them and for the INFJ I'll look at their cognitive function stack so I don't know if you would define that as coaching them a different coaching style but to me it's sort of more a, a different framework that I'm using for mm -hmm. each of them and what are some of the I guess unique challenges you would say INFJ and or INFP women face just being out in the world and, and trying to figure out the career thing and the family thing and the relationship thing and all the things. Yeah. You know, the struggles that INFJ and INFP women have are going, going to be similar to what men struggle with. Um, there are some unique differences just because it's particularly when it comes to family, right? And having children, being a parent, even though men are also going to hear certain messages from the world, there's still a greater, um, I'm not sure of the right word, but there is a greater struggle, I think, for a lot of women to match up to what the world says they should be as a, a mom. Um, there's higher standards in a lot of ways. And I don't mean to dismiss the role of any dads or fathers or husbands or whatever, but, um, I think for both INFPs and INFJs, the struggle is that they're going to do, do things fundamentally different than the rest of the world. And so they have to set up and uh, apply their standards for success to what matters to them, not to what the world says that they should be. So both INFJs and INFPs are fairly rare, right? So we're in the minority. Let's just take the fact that we're intuitives, first of all. Intuitives are only about 25% of the population or so. So the struggles that we have are going to be unique. We're going to see things differently. We're going to learn differently. We're going to make decisions differently. Um, so that's not a very specific answer, but um, in general, yes, we have struggles and they're different than the vast majority of the population. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love what you said that 
they're just going to do things differently as a mom, you know, cause I'm a mom. And one of my biggest struggles is um, my creative life is so important to me. Um, and it doesn't always bring in money. You know, it's not always like equals income, but like for me to work on my fiction, my novels, it's so important. If I don't do it, I'm completely unfulfilled. And if it's a hectic family week where my son needs a lot of stuff or my husband needs a lot of stuff and I don't get to write, I'm really grumpy and irritated. And in my head, I'm like, I made the wrong choice. I need to like abandon these people and run off to Paris. I could write all the time, you know, <laughs> am I the only, am I crazy or like, but then I meet other INFJ people and, and INFPs and creativity is so important to us. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've worked with several moms who, uh, you know, INFJs and INFPs too, who have multiple kids, you know, and the struggle there is that whether it's the creativity piece that they want or just time on their own for their intuition to flourish, like taking time for themselves is such a struggle. You know, for an INFJ, because we have that extroverted feeling, we're looking at harmony and what's going to get everyone's needs met. It's extremely uh, difficult because you're looking at, I have all these children and my spouse and each of them has, has a different need, you know? Um, and so we tend to um, push our own needs back, particularly parents. I'm not a mom, but from my work that I've experienced with parents, INFJ parents, they tend to push their needs even farther back than a typical INFJ would because of those immediate pressing everyday needs of their children and their families. Mm -hmm. And do you find, uh, is it, I don't want to say that worse with INFJs or INFPs. I know both of us really struggle with, with putting our needs first and people pleasing. Um, do you find that that sort of people pleasing piece comes in differently for INFJs and INFPs? This is a good question. I've been thinking about this actually for like a year wondering, and I'm not, I don't have a great answer. Um, I think that both types can be people pleasers, particularly because of the F, right? We're feelers when we make decisions. So that means that we're going to be inserting ourselves into uh, the experience of people and also looking at values. Both INFJs and INFPs look at a value system in making decisions. So that means that there's going to be a tendency to want to please other people. Um, I may be biased, but I do feel as if probably INFJs have a little harder time uh, with it. Um, again, I'm not an INFP, although my husband is. <laughs> um, but I feel as if we probably struggle a little more with it because of the combination of our... Um, it's hard to talk about this without drawing connections to the functions, but because of our introverted intuition and our extroverted feeling, that combination makes us so extremely sensitive to other people and other people's emotions. Um, INFPs are also sensitive to other people's emotions, but because of our particular wiring, um, it's, I feel as if it probably is a greater struggle. I don't want to diminish the struggle of any INFP <laughs> when it comes to people pleasing, but I feel as if maybe it probably is. It's not a very direct answer. <laughs> yeah, no, that's my feeling on it too, though, because, you know, INFJs, we have that extroverted feeling, like you said. So we're always sort of oriented. What's, what are the people, what's going on with the people around us? Mm -hmm. And INFPs have that, but they also have this like inner tumultuous ocean of like, what's going on in me? You know, like once INFPs can really get in touch with what they believe in and what they want and their desires, where I think 
kind of, Jay's kind of struggle with that a bit, connecting to ourselves, because we are always kind of scanning the environment. Like, is, is Sally happy? Well, is John upset now? Like, you know, mm -hmm. how are these relationships going? And we're, we're kind of trying to mediate where I feel like the INFP might be more in the corner. Like, no, what's going on inside my own soul right mm -hmm. now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. On the surface, that is what it is. I think there's probably some more nuance to it, but um, that is basically the struggle, right? The difference in, in as we're trying to make decisions, uh, especially decisions that impact other people. And I mean, that leads me to the, the trendy question now online, self-care. You know, how, how do we, how do we engage in self-care? And I even feel guilty. Sometimes I'm like, I need self-care. And then I'm like, this is such a first world problem. You know, there are starving people out there who can't do self-care and I'm worried about it. But I think it is a real thing. Yeah. And <clears throat> so that word, I don't like the word or the, the, the phrase um, because there are so many uh, preconceived ideas that we attach to it. And, you know, as an INFJ, I'm always thinking about, well, how, when people use the word self-care, what do they mean? You know, what are the different perspectives and different definitions, the different ways to define this word? Um, but self-care, whether it's trendy or not, is absolutely a necessity uh, for introverts, INFPs and INFJs. Um, I share with my clients that it's like water. It's not an option. It really isn't. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's bubble baths and, you know, taking an entire weekend to go away somewhere. It can be that. But self-care is what allows you to reset. It allows all introverts to take time to process, to figure out whether it's how they feel about something um, or, you know, what does this mean? Um, you know, what are they asking me to do? Like, it's imperative that uh, all introverts, INFJs, INFPs, um, unapologetically take the time that they need for themselves. It's not selfish. Um, it's not uh, frivolous. It's not um, an extra thing. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I feel yeah. really passionate about this time because, you know, for an INFP, they've got to sit there and figure out, does this resonate with me as we were talking? For an INFJ, they've got to figure out, like, you know, what do I feel about this? What does this, you know, pro post-processing is what an INFJ does. Like, what does this mean? You know, do I understand this? Uh, what information do I have? Like, it, it's really important to do that. So if someone asks you to do something, um, right now or they need a decision right now it's an area of growth to be able to say can i get back with you even if it's five minutes or the next day to give yourself that time that you need um, that's a form of self-care uh, then the other types of self-care like the physical forms like actually eating well and drinking enough water and doing physical activities, those things are also really important for us, particularly for an INFJ because of the way that they're wired with having that inferior extroverted sensing. Mm -hmm. It's so, so important for us to get into our five senses at least like 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes a day to help uh, pull us out of our intuition, our heads, uh, so to speak. Are there any go-to things that you do, Leslie, on like, a, I don't know, a daily or weekly basis that are like your, like, I know I need to do this every week to really look after myself. Yeah, there's a lot of things. And 
I've learned them over the years, <laughs> you know, at the, the age that I am now, I've, I've realized that I have to set my schedule in a way that honors who I am. Um, so I set up my business in a way that uh, makes sure that I have enough time in my schedule to prepare myself to be who I need to be for my clients. Um, on the physical side, you know, I make, I try to make sure that I get some downtime every day where there's like as little, there's as little sensory input as possible to feed my intuition. Um, you know, just simple things like going for a walk, combining that physical activity with allowing my brain to just do its thing. Um, I incorporate that every day. I think as an INFJ, the mind body connection is super important to me. So taking care of my body feeds my mind. Um, and that can be just, you know, as literal as eating right, like paying attention to what I put inside my body, making sure I drink enough water, like these physical needs that are so easily overlooked. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't have like a set routine, I guess, to answer your question, but it's more of these things that I've learned, accumulation of knowledge <laughs> of not doing so well at it in, in previous decades that I know that I have to take care of myself or it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> yeah, I had that exact same experience. In my 20s, I was horrible with my body. I just would, I, I really just would power through body signals. Like I would be, you know, drinking something and be like, yeah, every time I drink this, my stomach hurts. And my friends would be like, <laughs> stop drinking it. And I'm like, oh, I guess I could do that. <laughs> I don't know. I never thought about it, you know. Yes. Um, even now, if I'm passionate about something, if I'm in a work project, I'll skip a meal or then I'm like, oh, I haven't gotten up from my desk in three hours. You know, I'm just kind of like at the keyboard and it's, it's yeah. hard, I think. So I've been really bad today. I skipped lunch. And again, it was <laughs> because I was so engrossed in like stuff I was doing. Again, really bad. And um, when I do it well, I, I think I do do it really well. But um, yeah, I can easily slip out of it and get complacent in the moment and just kind of uh yeah forget forget what i need for a while yeah i think when we forget or ignore those self-care and this is not you know this is a judgment on myself as well but i think it's that we don't truly understand the value of it and we don't value ourselves um because we're not we're making that connection to how important it is for us as i just shared earlier like it's like water we don't see it that way we see it as like, you know, kind of like Lauren was saying, well, we're, you know, we're a first world country and, you know, there are people who are starving, even in this country, you know, there are people who have it much harder than I am. Who am I to, to take this time for myself? But it really needs to, we need to shift our perspective and see it as um, a need, not necessarily a want. Mm -hmm. Oh, I really pay the price. I mean, if I overschedule myself, I'll have a meltdown. And my husband, he's an INTJ. so. He's like insufferable, but always right. You know, he's like, and this is why I need to do your schedule for you. He actually does my schedule for me now. That's beautiful. You know? <laughs> and he picks up my clothes for me because I'm like, I can't handle these tasks. Like they're too mundane. I have to think about, you know, world peace. Not at all that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that actually brings me sort of in a related way to my next question about life calling. I, I get this question so much from INFJs and INFPs and emails and, you know, um, messages, coaching clients are like, I know I have a big purpose, but I don't know how to find it. Like, how do I, how does someone go about that? Hmm. Yeah. So this question brings up a lot of, a lot of thoughts in me, but, um, 
I think there's too much pressure, first of all, on finding that one true calling, that one true passion, um, that one thing that we're meant to do. Um, it brings a lot of shame um, to people. And so I don't know if, I think it's partly driven inner by an inner desire to have meaning and purpose in life as NF types, you know, that's key to us. Um, but it's also messages from the world, right? That glorify this, like, love what you do and do what you love kind of thing. Um, so I think um, my perspective on your life's purpose is to be who you are made to be, like to understand how you're wired, what your unique gifts, strengths, and superpowers are, and then bringing those to the world. And I believe that that can have a lot of different, uh, it can look a lot of different ways. Just as I shared earlier, you know, I, I've had a lot of different careers, but I feel as if there is a golden thread through them. Um, so for INFJs and INFPs, um, I actually, you know, I created a course called the Vision Clarity Course that's geared towards, it's free, but it's geared towards INFJs because I had this question too, like, what is, what's my purpose? What's my, you know, passion? So the course helps them go through and figure out like what are the things that are of most interest to them? Like it helps them to reflect on their past, reflect on the things that people come to them for, reflect on the areas of their life where they have had the most um, like excitement and inner light, so to speak. So I feel like I'm giving a very roundabout answer to your question, but I don't think there is necessarily one true thing that people are, are supposed to do. Um, I think there are some commonalities between all the things that you've been interested in throughout your life mm -hmm. and finding that and continually checking in with yourself. I'm a big fan of like self-observation and self-awareness, like continually checking in to see how you're feeling about things um, will keep you on the right path. And, you know, for an INFJ and an INFP, that'll look slightly different how they know, right? Like we talked about earlier, but once you figure out that it's not the right path, then, then that's the point where you can pivot and make a decision to go in a different direction. Um, life is not a super highway. You know, I try to explain to my clients that it's like taking a road trip. You don't just get in the car and drive nonstop to your destination. Well, maybe you do, <laughs> but most people are going to take some pit stops. Like they're going to pull off of the road on an exit here or there. Um, they might take the scenic route. All of those places, all those methods will get them to the end point, but there's not necessarily one path to that purpose. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I love that. Same. I, I'm at, yeah, I really like that a lot. And I'm actually really glad you said that because like for me, so when I left my job in the city four years ago, I think, yeah, I got really got sucked into um, trying to find this one thing and it actually was um, quite debilitating and quite overwhelming and um, actually really, really stressful for me. Absolutely. And I can yeah. still, um, now and then I get sucked into that sort of thinking, but I like to imagine like loads of different jazzes in parallel universes doing different stuff um, is one of the things I do. And, and um, what you said about, you were talking about your vision clarity uh, course. Um, which I believe is a free gift, isn't it, that you're giving away for subscribers? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, so one of the reasons I skipped lunch was because I was doing website-related stuff, and I remember seeing that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like the idea of ingredients. Um, 
yes, there's not this one meal that's supposed to come at the end of it, but you've got these ingredients and you can cook them and prepare them in a different way, but that can lend itself to different options. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the fear that is behind that desire to find that one thing is mm -hmm. that if they don't spend all their time on that one thing, they're wasting their time. Um, and in essence, you're actually wasting your time by, you know, trying to think, is this the right thing? Is this the right thing? Is this the right thing? What's the right thing? And constantly worrying about this one thing that I'm supposed to do. Um, I want to back up and say, for some people, that does happen. But it doesn't mean it's the right way. Um, I love to recommend this old video. It's very old uh, by Liz Gilbert, where she talks about if you just Google um, Liz Gilbert hummingbird versus jackhammer. Um, she talks about how she has been a jackhammer her whole life. She's known she wanted to be a writer her entire life. And she assumed that everyone else was that way too. And so that was the right way for her. And then she realized that there are people out there who have um, you know, a lot of different interests and they sort of flip to one thing to the next. And that's not wrong. And there, it's not that you're lacking direction or any of those things. It's just two fundamentally different ways of going about life. Some people are hummingbirds, some people are jackhammers. And the idea behind sharing that with people is just to help take away some of that um, shame of feeling like you have to be one way or the other. Do you think INFPs and Js are equally split between hum hummingbird and jackhammer or weighted more one way than the other? This is a really interesting question too, because uh, as I think about this question, I think both INFJs and INFPs can have multiple interests. Mm -hmm. However, um, and this is not gonna be true for everyone, but however, generally speaking, an INFP is going to have a more divergent uh, amount of interest. Like they're going to see a lot of more possibilities of different, very different interests and um, things that they could do. And INFJ, because of the way our brains, uh, the type of intuition we have, we're going to be more convergent on our interests. So even if we do have varied interests, they're typically going, typically going to fall under a common umbrella, a common theme, more so than an INFP. Um, and that's just the fundamental difference in the way extroverted intuition works for an INFP and the way introverted intuition works for an INFJ. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And again, I, yeah, I'm an INFP with a lot of interests and millions of different outcomes, which has been, so it's been a real haphazard journey and that kind of continues, mm -hmm. but it's kind of like the, the, the path has narrowed as it were. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not become, it's not completely crystal clear. Yeah. Um, and maybe it never will be entirely, but it's definitely become clearer. Yeah. I think if an INFJ has a lot of different ideas, um, it would be helpful for them to look at what the theme is amongst those because more than likely, not that it's not going to be true for an INFP, but more than likely there's going to be a common theme. Um, they will be related to something. And INFJs typically have a convergent vision about something. They can see a very long-term um, perspective of something. And so as you know, Lauren was talking about earlier with the, the menu, like, usually the insight is going to come to them of like, this is the thing, this is the thing that you should do right now. This is the thing that is the best path. It doesn't always happen that way, but that helps us to narrow our interests 
typically, um, whereas an INFP is going to have more of an issue with having such broad, broad interest um, and not really knowing which one to explore because they all, they're really out for looking for novelty, like wanting to explore these things for novelty's sake, not just for novelty's sake, but that NE works about, works like wanting to test things to see what happens, right. the what if questions. Mm -hmm. um, an INFP is going to be much more interested in that uh, than an INFJ. Sure. And you mentioned um, right near the beginning uh, of, this, of this interview that you've done lots of different things. Uh, can you uh, share some of the stuff that you've done with us? Sure. And, you know, I started out thinking I was going to do one thing and that was the thing I was going to do my whole life. <laughs> right. So you thought you were a jackhammer. Um, well, I don't know that I had that language then, but uh, right. I, right. But you, you started out as a jackhammer. Yeah, I absolutely had an insight. Like, this is the thing I want to do. And that was teaching. Wow. Um, I taught middle school science for uh, about eight years. And um, within that realm, um, I loved innovating. I loved tossing aside the textbook, you know, and creating my own curriculum. I did not like the, the grading parts and, you know, the keeping up with having to like, um, well, creating an interesting project for students and then having to figure out how to assess them on it. Did not like that part. Um, but so I've done that. And then I went back to school for photography and that sort of started a new path for me in which I worked as a photographer briefly. Um, I did video, then I got into video, video storytelling. Um, that sort of led into working in communications um, for nonprofits and uh, using some of those skills, all of those skills really, teaching, storytelling, the creativity, did some graphic design, website stuff, um, but all with the purpose of sharing the message of those organizations I was working for and being able to communicate the, the right things to draw the right people. Um, so those are some of the things I've done. And uh, the golden thread that I spoke about earlier is really a, a deep desire to, um, to create understanding, to create understanding within a person and to create understanding amongst people. Um, that's probably where my extroverted feeling comes out. Um, but, I see that as a, a common theme and then helping people understand themselves as well, to love themselves, to accept themselves, to increase their confidence. Those are uh, very common themes throughout all of my jobs and experiences, the things I've been drawn to. Yeah. I could, well, I could already see how there's a commonality between all those things. And you were saying at the beginning, how it's all led someplace. Do you find that happens, that, that common thread? Do you, do you, is that a common thing? Does that sometimes, because for me, it feels like I've just done a bunch of different stuff. So I can't necessarily see like the one thread that goes through. So again, I, I didn't, is, is that an INFP thing? Am I just an yeah, oddball? I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, you know, Lauren, I'm curious what you think about that. Um, I you tend know, to, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, was just, I think it kind of comes with age like looking back you need mm. to get a certain distance away to see the golden thread how many how many years are we talking lauren you know how old i am <laughs> well i'm 40 i'm 41 okay i feel like it took me until my late 30s oh okay and i'm 44 so i have you both beat <laughs> but yes i think i think age does give that perspective um 
<clears throat> I think also I've done a lot of work to try to find that common thread mm -hmm. because on the surface, you know, if I hadn't explained all that to you on the surface, it might look like I've done a wide variety of things. I don't know what the perspective is, but, um, you know, I was actually sharing this with a friend once, um, you know, talking about looking at a new thing that I was going to do, <clears throat> excuse me. And she's the one, she's actually ENFP. So she also uses extrovert intuition. She's the one that pointed out to me that, you know, I've done a lot of different things, um, but that they, they sort of had this theme and um, that I tend to kind of go after what I want. And these were things I had not really realized about myself. So having other people's perspective has helped me as well. Um, in addition to age and then the search yeah. for looking for that thread. Yeah. Actually, to, to be honest, not to completely go back on what I just said two minutes ago. INFP. <laughs> Guilty. I can kind of feel, yeah, there is, there is kind of a thread. I've, I've just, um, yeah, I, I guess if you, you, you kind of got to, if you consciously look at it, because, yeah, I think on the surface, you can just be like, oh, it feels like that, 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 and that, and that. But actually, if you kind of zoom in, you're like, hold on a second that was quite similar to that and that's actually if you look at it from this angle quite similar to that so yeah i kind of get what you're saying yeah i love that i'm watching the perspective shift as we speak. yeah right this is it um, yeah <clears throat> so, 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 i'm not an infj woman unfortunately so um, <laughs> maybe we're not compatible in that way but no um, yeah that's interesting um and one other thing i, I wanted to ask um and again lauren I'm, I'm i'm also interested in hearing your perspective on this it feels like a lot of us have um, or would like to have or have to have to a different extent, just belief that things will work out kind of law of attraction stuff like, um, you know, looking back, you, you can't see, you can't connect the dots, but uh, going forward by looking back, you can and things just work out. Um, is that an INF, an INFP and J thing? Is, mm -hmm. is, is, that a, is that a useful thing for us to have? Or, or why? Um, how do you explain, I'm asking a bunch of stuff as I always do. How, how do you explain that way of being to someone who doesn't really get that? Because because it feels like I would say to certain people, oh yeah, I kind of, I'm just going with the flow and seeing what happens. And like someone of a very different temperament or, or, or <coughs> mindset would be like, how irresponsible. Hmm. So I guess, well, I guess what I'm really asking is, um, is that whole trusting the process thing, an INF thing, is it useful to us in particular? Mm. I see a couple different perspectives of what you're sharing. First of all, I see that INFP, the P part of just going with the flow and being more willing to show up and see what happens. Um, that is much more comfortable to those who have a P at the end of their four letter code. Right. Um, although INFJs do lead with a perceiving function. Um, mm -hmm. Again, I'm sorry to if anyone's getting confused with these terms, if they're not familiar with them, but um, INFJs, because we have the J, we tend to want to prepare more in advance. Um, and so, <clears throat> so I see that as a difference in what you're sharing. But then the other thing is being an intuitive, um, right. being a person who has intuition in what we would call the front seat, right, of our cognitive function stack. Intuition is something that you can't force it to happen. Um, it it sort of brings those insights to the surface when it's good and ready to. <laughs> so there is an element of being must, we must trust that process within us. 
um, whether it's like your gut, as you were saying, or your body, or trusting that the patterns, everything in your head is going to come together to that insight. Mm -hmm. um, I think, and some of that comes with age as well, learning that if we will trust that no matter which step we take, no matter which path we take, that we're actually going to be okay. Like that's a huge uh, measure of growth for a person. I feel like um, it's hard and I don't want to take away from any of that fear that people feel in taking that first step. But the only way that we can get feedback on those steps is to keep moving forward. Um, getting, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, you saying that it feels like, intuition is a big thing for us for both of our types yeah. and you talk about um just being in a place where we really trust that it's going to turn out to be okay as a sign of growth because i guess that's an indicator that um we've just built a great relationship with our intuition and we've learned to lean into that more over and above um the rational mind or whatever you want to call it Absolutely. <clears throat> I think there's a measure of confidence there that has to be developed alongside, right? Being confident that when I say everything is going to turn out okay, that we're going to be okay, we may have a different picture in our mind of what okay is. Right. And we must be willing to recognize that there can be, there's always an alternate path that we can take. That's part of the coaching work I do, right? Is someone who comes with this idea, this assumption, this belief, and we work on dismantling it so that they can open up their perspective um, and, and trusting yourself um, comes through self-development work. And these systems we've talked about, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, like they provide pathways to help us do that. It's not just about that label, those four letters. It actually is useful for helping us know how to learn more about ourselves, to become more aware and to know that we are going to be okay uh, in the grand sense of the word. <laughs> mm. Well, I'd also like to put in, because Jess, you said, like, how, how do you explain yourself to someone, you know, who is mm -hmm. maybe different? It, it can be really helpful to know the types. Like, if you're talking to a thinker or sensor person, they are going to rely on their facts that they've gathered, and that's it you you explaining all your different dots and how you're connecting them like it just doesn't mean anything to them and they're just not going to go there with you and it's okay you don't you don't need to convince them to get on board with you and i think that's kind of a happens with age and growth where you're like mm -hmm. not everyone's going to understand why i'm making that this decision and that's okay because i understand and i'm okay with it mm -hmm. it's it's not easy to get there but once you're there it's i think it's easier to stay there does that Makes sense. Do you feel, do you know what I'm saying, Leslie? Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think, I don't think that we once arrive and then we never ever worry about that again, you know, what other people are thinking and not being able to explain. That's another thing that I see very commonly with INFJs is, you know, we feel like we've covered something and then we're done with that. <laughs> we don't ever want to revisit it again. Um, but I think, yes, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that um, we have to be okay with it. We have to be able to accept that uh, we're not like everyone. And as you said, that is okay. That comes with that self-love, that self-acceptance, that confidence, that even if what I'm saying doesn't resonate with other people, 
they don't get it. Uh, we're communicating using two different styles. Um, it's okay. I'm okay and they're okay. We're both valuable for what we bring to the table. That is another measure of growth. Knowing that in your heart, knowing that in your body, in your mind, um, that that's going to be true for all people, all different people, right? Like we all have a very different perspective. Understanding that the way that we all view the world is through a variety of filters that we've developed over our whole life period. Mm. Um, that's an incredible gift. And personality type gives, uh, gives us that framework, um, helps us understand those filters so that we can have more appreciation and understanding of other people and of ourselves. Yeah, I think so. I think that's why personality and typing has been so helpful for me, not putting people in boxes, but having that framework and, you know, not saying so much like, well, you know, they're an INTJ, so they're definitely going to act this way, but just knowing that they value different things than I value when looking at the world or making decisions is so helpful. I love this phrase. I don't remember who said it, but personality type labels don't put you in a box, they show you which box you're already in. <laughs> so, <laughs> which I know to some people is probably, certain types will be like, oh no, I don't wanna be in a box at all. But the truth is we all are in a box of some sort because of our past experiences, our perspectives. And that's what coaching does, right? It helps you to bust open the sides of those bo that box and recognize that, that it doesn't have to be that way. For Myers-Briggs, it only talks about the way our minds are wired. It does lead to certain behaviors, but just because my brain is wired this way doesn't mean I have to behave this way or I have to act on this instinct that I might have. Mm -hmm. And I guess that brings me to one of our last questions is, if you could only give two pieces of advice to intuitive people going forward in their life, what, what would those be? I think the first one would have to do with that self-care. Um, whatever you want to define it, if that word bothers you like it did originally for me, you know, maybe come up with a different word. Um, but be unapologetic about the time that you need for yourself and define what that is. I have clients that need to start five minutes a day because they have, you know, a bunch of children or, you know, full time jobs or other things like that. So, um, first of all, take care of yourself would be the first one. Um, and don't allow the world to tell you that you, know, you were being selfish for doing that. Um, and the second, I think, would probably be to define your own measures of success. Like, what are your markers for success? Because it's gonna be different than the world. <clears throat> than the world. And whether that's in your current job, your current relationship, uh, defining your purpose, you know, what does success mean to you? what works for you, not what the works for the world. I think probably those two pieces, um, <clears throat> and those require a lot of self-knowledge, right? Understanding who you are, what do you need, and what is important to you. Mm -hmm. So those are probably fairly broad, but I think that's what I would say if I could only give two. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting you said that, because when I first learned I was an introvert, I kind of went way into the introversion thing, where I was like, I need five hours a day by myself. I can't deal with people. And now I'm, I've come back, especially since having a kid, where I'm like, I'm actually a lot more resilient sometimes than I think I am. And I can deal with extended socializing. I don't like it, but I can deal with it. So I, I feel like it's this constant dance I'm doing. 
Yeah, I think too, if you believe the internet, right? Introverts hate the phone, they hate people, and they only want to cat or something. <laughs> you know, there's memes out there like this. And <clears throat> while that can be true, um, I think it's important to find that balance. Like, what do you really need? Um, five hours a day may not be possible for most people. Maybe there are some days, once a month, once every two months, you can take five hours. You know, so it's figuring out what is it you need, um, what makes sense for you and your life where you are. You know, if you have a newborn baby, that's probably not going to work out right now. <laughs> you know, or if you have a really demanding job and you work 60, 70 hours a week, probably not going to be possible. But you need to find out what works for you. So, um, yeah, there's some self-knowledge needed there. Well, Leslie, if someone's watching this and they're like, I want coaching from this woman. She's amazing. I'm thinking that. Like, <laughs> um, where, you. where can they find you? Where can they get more? Uh, your website, social media? Yeah, so I'm lesliemcdaniel.com is my website. Um, I'm most active, I use that word loosely, on Instagram <laughs> as far as social media channels. I do have a Facebook page. I don't post there very frequently. Um, and my Instagram is the at the INFJ life. Um, and that is the name of the email that I write for focused on INFJ women. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn at Leslie McDaniel. So I'd be happy to talk to anyone if they feel like they resonate with me or um, they feel like they have a vision, and they want to take action on it. I'd love to be part of their journey. Mm, and you said the free gift is the vision clarity course. Yeah. So, you know, it has language related to INFJs, but if you're an INFP watching and you want clarity, clarity on your vision, go ahead and sign up for that too, because I put a lot of effort into it um, to give you reflection questions and it will help you to write a vision. And there's a lot of prep work that goes into getting there. Um, and then also looking at some of the objections you might have to taking action on it. So um, I feel like it would be helpful to both types. Oh, great. Okay. And all these links are going to be on your page too. Oh, yes. And so the link to that, if you go to my website, um, I think it's under courses or work together. I forget exactly, but I think the URL is slash uh, vision clarity course. Um, I can give that direct link to you if I haven't already, but yeah, it's really easy to find. You can search for it. Yeah, no, it, it, it'll all be on your page, um, infsummit.com slash Leslie. Okay. So uh, we'll put it all in, in, in that one place. Thank you. Well, that's great. It was so fun talking to you, Leslie. I feel like I learned a lot. Me too. And Thank I know you. a lot about INFJs and INFPs, but I feel like I, I learned like way more, actually. That's Thank cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. It's been yeah. nice talking to both of you. And Jazz, you can... Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find a newsletter and a community that I run alongside this podcast in addition to podcast show notes by visiting www.infclub.net. Once again, I'm Jazz Hoti. Bye for now, and I'll see you next time.